Hello, welcome to 251, two pianists, five minutes, one subject. My name's Nick Tomlin. And my name's Simon Whiteside. And today we'll be asking the question, can you hear me at the back? A brief history of amplification and its use in jazz. Now, the first type of amplification you may think is not that long ago, but it goes back to the Greeks and the Romans with their amphitheaters and the fan shape. Also, it was the cone is the three-dimensional fan, as it were, and that was used very early on for the megaphone or loud hailer, which is essentially just a tube which is thin at one end and thicker at the other end, and you speak into the thin end and it makes it louder. And you can see that type of amplification on the Edison phonograph of the late 1800s, and of course the Berliner flat disc, which came after that, and any archetypal 78 record player, really. Mm -hmm. But the big development in amplification really came with the invention of the thermionic valve, or the tube. Mm. And it came in two forms, uh, the diode and the triode. And in fact, Lee de Forest patented the triode valve in 1906. And it came out of uh, telephony, really. Mm -hmm. And there were three main areas where amplification was being developed. Telephony, radio, and film. Mm -hmm. And someone suggested, perhaps, once we'd got the... I mean, the telephone was actually... Telephone technology was actually invented, uh, patented in, like, 1875, so quite early. Mm. But someone suggested uh, in 1915 that if you stuck a cone on a telephone speaker, you might be able to hear baseball announcements a bit better. But it wasn't really until the 1930s that the directional microphone came around. Before then, they'd been uh, omnidirectional, and that allowed for louder amplification due to the proximity effect. Frank Sinatra got one of his first gigs because he had an amp. Uh, the band leader asked him, do you have an amp? And he said, yes. And the band leader said, you've got the gig, and then went on to use the amp himself. Um, do you have any thoughts on this? Well, I suppose as it relates to jazz, I mean, you talk about early jazz, um, I suppose before uh, 1930, really, um, would have been largely unamplified. Um, and also, I suppose you have to remember, bands were playing in noisy bars and clubs, often outside as well. Um, so the volume was, was quite important. And, and that's really why early jazz um, favoured loud instruments like brass, saxophones, the tuba played the bass, the banjo would be the chord instrument very often, or the piano if, you, if you're inside. Um, so really instruments that could cut through the noise and could really, um, you know, have a, that really had a presence, I guess. And um, so really, as amplification developed and microphones developed, it really changed the, the type of instruments that could be used and also the way, for example, instruments could be played and the way that, you know, singers could sing. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I've broken down the, uh, this into three stages. The first one, stage one, is making existing sounds louder. So, mm -hmm. for example, the double bass uh, wasn't used so much early on in jazz because it couldn't be heard, or if they did, they had to use, say, two. Mm -hmm. But with amplification, they could replace the uh, tuba or the sousaphone or bass sax with double bass. And so the guitar replaces the banjo also in that way. Mm -hmm. um, and early vocalists, often known as blues shouters, like, uh, say, Bessie Smith. Or Big Joe Turner. and Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. even like Ella Fitzgerald early on. But amplification, of course, would then allow singers to be able to sing quieter and have a different tone in their voice. Uh, Belly Holiday, for example. Mm. 
So stage two then is the new sounds. Um, to create effects, really, yeah, acoustic effects. Yeah, sort of. I mean, I suppose in a sense, getting close microphones, you couldn't really hear um, a, a Harman mute, mm. for example. Um, so that way you could amplify a trumpet and make a new sound like Miles Davis's famous sound. And, mm. and then we move on to stage three, silent instruments that need to be amplified to be heard, like electric guitar, Rhodes, mm. Hammond. So I suppose the sort of late 60s, early 70s fusion movement really, you know, <laughs> could only happen with amplification as they're, they're all electric instruments really. Um, mm. Yeah, indeed. And so that brings to the end our brief look at amplification. I'm Simon Whiteside. And my name's Nick Tomlin. Goodbye.